Woohoo! We are back for another episode of the K Fit Show. I am your host, Kaylin Angloss, and thank you guys for tuning in week after week. I really appreciate all the support that you guys are giving me. I am a PhD candidate at the University of Victoria, and I want to bring all the knowledge that I've learned uh, through exercise science to you guys to show you exactly how things should be done and exactly how you can optimize your performance in sport and in life. So with that said, let's get started with this episode of the KFIT Show, where I'm going to talk to you about myofascial release or myofascial release therapy. Uh, what the research says, what it is, and how it applies to you. So let's get this baby fired on up. All right. Well, welcome back to the KFIT Show. Like I said, my name is Kalen Angloss, and what what a, a crazy day in the world it's been today. Uh, today is October 2nd, broadcasting live on Facebook as well as on Instagram, and just tragedy around around the world really uh obviously the shootings in las vegas absolutely tragic uh condolences to everybody out there my our, our hearts the whole entire north american hearts are are with las vegas right now and that tragedy uh anybody who's affected and, and that just it's devastating and, and you know it's not my place on this sh- on this show to really say too much more more than that really but i mean something has to be done about about this issue with, with gun control but I, again that that's not what we're all about also tom petty passing away today or maybe not i'm not sure uh i saw he he passed away and then i saw something that his daughter came out on instagram and said maybe he didn't pass away i don't know i'm not sure but tom petty one of the greatest rock stars uh you know of of the last 40 years really 66 years old and, and 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 passing away just a lot of sadness and and tragedy in the world today and yet still the clock ticks on things go on uh and and, and things things keep happening so i appreciate you guys at least for tuning in and, and i guess really what i want to say just on all that is is you know now more than ever is is really when we should support each other when we should really be good to each other and just you know remember that we're all in this crazy thing called life together and and we we should be building each other up not breaking each other down we should be supporting each other and 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 working together to make this world a better place because like i said we're all in this together so uh you know that's really all i wanted to say on on the on the terrible tragedies that have happened here today but i I couldn't start this show without at least saying saying that so Anyways, here we are again for another episode of the KFIT Show. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, a busy week. We're going to keep these out, coming out. Like I said, Monday nights at 9.30 is when we're going to pump these bad boys out. They become available for download on Wednesday morning. Uh, for myself, continuing to teach at the University of Victoria in the physiology lab. This week, we've been looking a lot at blood glucose levels and how that's affected uh, through performance and, and, you know, the how your food affects it, uh, glycemic index, and how that affects affects, affects everything. And, and really what, what it relates a lot to exercise and what I want to talk about here quickly is we know, and you've probably heard of this thing called the half-hour window. Half-hour window after you work out, you know, they've said before, is one of the best times to consume 
what most people say is protein, which is true. You should get protein in your system to to rebuild the the protein that you've broken down while working out. But the half hour window is actually related more to carbohydrates. And what we what we kind of teach in the lab at Uvic is when you're exercising, you're, there's these receptors in your cells called GLUT4 receptors, and those are what take the carbohydrates from the blood and bring it into the cell, so taking it out of the bloodstream into the cell so it can be used as energy. These receptors, these GLUT4 receptors, are hyperactive after working out, so when you have a big workout and and you know you're you've been working out for an hour and and you know you're you're feeling good, these receptors are hyperactive at bringing that that blood glucose, that blood sugar, out of the blood into the cell. And this is especially important for not only diabetics but any individual who's exercising and wants to have those performance gains because it means that we need to have that carbohydrate that's being taken out of the blood replenished through uh, you know a a post-exercise protein shake with some carbohydrates in it. So it's not just protein. In fact, most North American diets, you get more than enough protein. We've talked about that before here on the show. You get more than the 0.8 grams per kilogram of, of body weight. That is the recommended daily allowance for for you know, for us, for us humans to, to consume. Usually we're taking in a lot more than that. So protein isn't the issue. It's more so that carbohydrates. And it is true that half hour after your workout, those receptors are going to be more fired up to, to take in the glucose. So do make sure that you are getting your post-workout uh, shake in and make sure it's not only just got protein, but it's also got carbohydrates and that you're replenishing those stores, building up that glycogen in your muscles and in your liver so that you can perform again better the next day and you can properly recover. So that's kind of what we've been talking talking about in the lab a lot this week. Uh, we've also been looking a lot at different fitness testing parameters in, in one of the other courses that I teach. So uh, yeah, just lots of stuff going around with that. Don't forget too that the CSEP, Canadian Society of Exercise Physiologists Conference, is coming up. Uh, that is happening October 25th to 27th. I will be presenting my research on combat sports athletes on October 26th on the morning of. Come see that. I believe 9 a.m. is when I'm presenting. I'll be up for an award, so I'll let you guys know know again how that goes. Today what I want to talk a little bit about is myofascial release. And I know I have probably some people listening right now who who know about myofascial release, who've heard about it, uh, and are probably wondering what it is and how it how it uh, improves performance or how it affects the, the body. If you've ever used a foam roller, you know a foam roller where you kind of roll out usually your, your hamstrings or your quads or that kind of stuff, or like a lacrosse ball, Technically, what you're doing with those is myofascial release. And let's just break that down a little bit. Anytime you see myo or you hear myo, M-Y-O, myo, that means we're relating it to muscle, right? So you have myoglobin, which is similar to hemoglobin, but in the muscle. Uh, this is myofascial, right? Myofascial release. So myo-muscle, fascia, fascia is just the connective tissue that surrounds your muscles. So you have your muscle belly, and then surrounding the muscle belly is what's called fascia, this connective tissue called fascia made up of collagen. And it's similar to, to the makeup of like tendons and ligaments. So it's actually tendons and ligaments 
also connective tissue. Um, it's, it's very similar in structure to that. And like I said, it encloses the muscles, so it surrounds the muscles. Also, your bones and your nerves as well. All these cells have fascia that surround it. And what's kind of been coming out a lot in, in you know, some, some exercise science is sometimes it's not necessarily the muscles that, that get affected, not just the muscles, but also the fascia, the, the stuff that's surrounding the muscle that also gets affected. So again, myofascial release. When you're doing that foam rolling, when you're doing that lacrosse ball stuff, uh, you're, you're, you're doing some myofascial release to try and uh, take some pressure out of the fascia. Because when you work out, like I said, your muscles get damaged, but so too can the fascia. The fascia can either get tight, it can get really tight, or it can actually be, be damaged. You can have micro tears to it, and of course, this can affect performance. You can get really sore. Sometimes it can pull, pull. If it's too tight, it can actually pull your structure, like your hip bones or your knee joints. It can pull all of that stuff out of place, causing pain. So of course, uh, you know this, this, this is going to affect performance. And just like tendons and ligaments, the the fascia, like I said, is made of collagen. And collagen, we know, has kind of two different properties. It can be either what we call stiff or compliant. And they're completely opposite. Stiff is when it's a really, really dense and there's a lot of collagen in it and it's going to be really tight. So it's, it's strong, but it's tight. And then the other part is compliant. And that's kind of how stretchy it is. So you can think about this as tendons and ligaments too, like, right? Like we've talked about your tendons. Tendons and, tendons and ligaments can be really stiff and strong, or they can be kind of loose and compliant uh, and that way. But, but that's the same for fascia. And when you work your muscles out, usually the response is for the fascia to build up uh, stiffness, to get nice and stiff, to build up the strength. That's just the response when you do resistance training or any type of training in the gym is the fascia will try and build up. But again, it's going to get stiff. And if it gets stiff, then it's going to become restricted and you're not going to be able to get that blood flow through, through the fascia, through the muscle. And of course, that's going to affect your recovery more so than anything, but also your performance. So we don't necessarily want this. We don't want uh, a stiff a stiff fascia. Sometimes we want it to be more compliant. So when we get stiff muscles, sometimes it is the fascia and sometimes, you know, people and exercise professionals will prescribe foam rolling or or that or that uh that lacrosse ball kind of rolling that stuff out to release the the fascia. And yes, I'm talking about myofascial stretching or myofascial stretch therapy, myofascial release. These are all different modalities to try and deal with that fascia. So again, myofascial release is when you're doing the foam rolling or the lacrosse ball. Myofascial stretch therapy is something that has come along uh, in the past about year or so. There, there's these these uh, FST professionals, fascial fascial release therapy uh, specialists, and, and and they're great. Uh, at, at what they do, but the the question comes in is: Are they they improving performance, and are they helping more so than some other things? So, myofascial stretch therapy uses different stretching routines or different stretching protocols to promote the stretching of that fascia to not make it so stiff but to make it more compliant and make it more stretchable um, so that you're not getting that decrease in blood flow and you're not getting that that pain that is sometimes associated with the stiff fascia 
Now, what does the research say about these guys? Does it actually work? Well, the research has shown, well, it hasn't shown much, actually. There's been research to support myofascial stretch therapy, and there's also been research to support the release, but a lot of it has not come to concrete conclusions. Like a lot of stuff in the fitness world, we don't really know for sure. For myofascial stretch stuff, what we really need is some randomized control trials. There's a lot of case studies and there and there's a lot of kind of maybe controlled group, but we don't have uh, any randomized control trials or any really good ones to support the, the efficacy of myofascial stretch therapy. And a lot of times these myofascial stretch therapies, they're, they're just a set of protocols that maybe a certain individual or a certain group of individuals has put together in a nice little tight package and they've called it instead of stretching they've called it myofascial release stretching or myofascial stretching is it really different than you just stretching on your own uh, oftentimes not so not so much is what at least what the research is showing it's it, it's not you know any more beneficial than just doing your static stretching uh, on your own or doing your dynamic stretching as well on your own. Now, of course, any stretching modality, whether it's static, dynamic, uh, or myofascial, is going to improve performance and it is also going to help that delayed onset muscle soreness. So you're not going to be so sore. You're probably not going to have as tight of muscles. So yes, it, it, it can be beneficial. But of course, when you look at optimizing performance, we want to know, is it the most optimal or is it is it the most uh, improvements going to be made? And right now, we just don't know. Again, we don't have those randomized control trials. So far, the research has supported stretching before exercise to be helpful for improving performance, whether it's static stretching, dynamic stretching, myofascial stretching, whatever it is, all these different stretch therapies will work to improve performance. Post, uh, oh, sorry, and I should say actually pre-exercise, what has also been shown to work the best or mostly the best is dynamic stretching. We know that those kind of dynamic leg swing movements and, and all that kind of stuff done prior to exercise and even in between your sets is going to improve your performance on that given uh, workout. After your workout, it's kind of generally accepted that static stretching or even more so PNF stretching, proprioneuroceptive facilitation stretching, is going to be the most beneficial in improving that range of motion and getting rid of the, the muscle soreness that you often get when you work out heavy. Um, so myofascial stretch therapy is just really another form of PNF stretching, of proprioneuroceptive facilitation, PNF stretching. So I, I'm not going to say I have a problem with these myofascial stretch therapists because I think it's great to have somewhere that you can go to get stretch. You see these kind of stretch labs that are, be, that are coming out now and, and people are opening these labs where they just come in and they, and they stretch you and they call it myofascial stretching. Um, yes, it is stretching you. It is stretching your, your, your fascia. But again, is it really doing anything more so than you could do on your own or, or with at least another partner helping you out that maybe doesn't know the same protocols as these fascial stretch therapy uh, practitioners. We don't know. Again, the research is not out there. But one thing that I do think is, is good about having myos 
myofascial stretch therapists and, and this actual therapy in labs and on their own is I think it's really beneficial to have somewhere where you can set the time out to actually go and do and you don't have to think about it. I think that's one of the main reasons why people get trainers, right? It just takes, it takes the accountability you know, off of them. They just know, okay, I have to meet my trainer at this time. We're going to go there. We're going to work out. It's the same for stretching. And of course, we know for sure stretching is important. So it's the same thing for stretching. If you have a, a scheduled appointment with a myofascial stretch therapist to go see them, you're going to be more inclined to go. You're going to be more inclined to get that stretching. And it is, of course, better when you have a partner so uh, or somebody who knows what they're doing. So so these type of therapists are, are great. I think, I think we should use them, but just know exactly what they're doing and just know that uh, you know you, you the research has shown that it might not be more beneficial so be careful about some of the claims that you see out there and be careful about some of the protocols that maybe some people will push over others because again they're not all jet necessarily more uh, more beneficial than the other so like a lot of stuff in the exercise and especially the stretching world more research is needed but for now you need to know stretching obviously will improve performance prior to exercise and post-exercise in, in decreasing your muscle soreness. We know that as well as increasing your range of motion. At the moment, PNF stretching is the best way that we know to improve your range of motion. Again, this has to be done with a partner. And again, these myofascial stretch therapists often incorporate a type of PNF stretching. So they're great to have. Uh, if you need it to absolutely get to somewhere to get that stretching done, absolutely, I think they're great, and I absolutely think you should go to them. Uh, but make sure that they are following at least some standard protocols. So, and you know, if they're FST therapists, they will be. If if they've followed through on some certification, they will be following along some certain set of guidelines. So that's what I think about myofascial stretch, myofascial release, uh, foam rolling. We know also decreases. Um, uh, muscle soreness. I suggest doing your, your, if you're doing these foam rollings or these uh, lacrosse ball or the myofascial release, do it after your workout when your muscles are tight. You know, that fascia does tighten up. That does happen. When you do the foam rolling, you know, it does kind of release that a little bit after a workout. So do that all kind of stuff after your workout. So there it is. That's my thoughts on myofascial release and myofascial stretch therapists. So Take it for what it's worth. That's what we're all about here. All right, let's get into a little bit of Sensei Says. Sensei Says, apply different stimulus or regress. What I mean by that is your body needs to have different stimulus coming its way in order for it to change its adaptations. When you work out, if you're doing the same routine every week, if you're on a two-week program or whatever, and you're doing the same program every single week or every couple weeks for extended periods of time, your body gets used to adapting to that stimulus. And if you don't change that stimulus, if you don't apply different stimulus to the muscle or to the body or to the heart, to the energy systems, whatever, then you're not going to be able to improve as much as if you did change your stimulus. So just thinking different ways to change stimulus, obviously doing different exercise, working at different work to rest ratios, changing the angle of which that you do your exercises sometimes will, will affect it as well. You know, if you're doing an incline bench press opposed to a flat bench, opposed to a decline, these are all different ways to change the stimulus that's put on the body. Because when we change the stimulus, it's gonna change the adaptation that our body occurs. And again, it's important to understand it's not the work, and we've said it before, 
It's not the work that you do in the gym that actually affects your performance or improves anything. It's the recovery from the exercise itself. So if it's the recovery and the adaptations that happen after your workout, the only way to get the true true improvements is if you're constantly adding progressively more stimulus or, or pro progressively overloading the system to, to get those improvements. I mean, we're really talking the principle of progression and the principle of overload, but we're just applying it to the stimulus that is put on the body in order to adapt. Because if you don't, you're just going to regress back to your norm and you're not going to improve and you're not going to optimize what your body can do. So there it is. That's uh, what I have to kind of say about that. Uh, apply different stimulus to your body or regress back to the norm. All right. This week on the Ask KFit segment or the or the Ask Kalen, uh, we don't ask the expert, whatever it is, we don't know what to talk. I had a question come in. Last week we talked about how do you measure aerobic fitness and, and I thought that was a great question. This week we got another question coming our way from Rob and Rob wants to know, well, if we know how to measure aerobic fitness, how do we measure muscle function? How do I measure my muscle? How do I know how strong I am or how do I know how well my muscles are performing and I thought that's a great fundamental question to people who are working out whether they're athletes or individuals so I thought I'd touch on that a little bit how do you measure your actual muscle function well when we look at our muscle function muscle function muscle function say that 10 times and uh, see how that goes uh, we look at our lower body and our upper body obviously we got total body as well but uh, different ways to measure your muscles uh, for the lower body, we, we look at power, which we know is explosiveness. We look at strength, which is that slow speed strength. Uh, and, then there, and then there's different adaptations in that as well. But for power, lower body power, one of the best ways to measure is a vertical jump or, or a high jump or a long jump. You can actually measure, that's a measure, indirect measure of lower body muscular power. How high can you jump? How far can you jump if it's long jump? Um, yeah, that's how you measure lower body power. If you want to measure lower body strength, we've done the one RM test, the one rep max. Make sure you have a strength and conditioning coach for this or somebody helping you out. Basically, you're just looking at how much weight you can lift using the squat uh, one time. That's the one rep max of your lower body squat. So that's how you measure that. Um, for upper body power, the medicine ball toss is a great upper, uh, measure of the muscle function for the upper body, uh, as well as muscular endurance. That's very important for, for any athletes. There is a strength endurance relationship. So we also want to not only have strength, but we want to have endurance. So simple muscular endurance tests are like push-up tests, pull-up tests, uh, sit-up tests, so like how many push-ups can you do? How many pull-ups can you do? And, and, and you know, a uh, back extension. How long can you hold a back extension? That's a really good, really good muscular endurance test for the lower lower back. And these are all uh, tests that can be done for any population that will give you an actual uh, what we call kind of health benefit rating if you're looking at general population or performance index if you're looking at somebody who's, who's going to be performing. We can look at these, kind of look at the normative data, see how you perform against other people in the same cohort, and then, of course, uh, uh, make adjustments to your training if we feel it's necessary. So those are just some real real basic, easy ways to assess your muscle, your muscle function. Of course, looking at the upper body, uh, the bench press test, 
bench press, one RM bench press is, is up, upper body strength. Again, upper body power is the medicine ball toss and that kind of thing. So these are just some real basic upper body uh, and lower body tests you can do to measure your muscles. Okay, and like we always say, don't just guess how powerful you are. Don't just guess how 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 strong you are. Test. Don't guess, right? So test yourself. Make sure you you have some kind of performance indicator that you can work on, you can improve on, and that you can go forward and keep optimizing throughout your training. All right, there it is. That is uh, what I needed to say for this episode so far of the K-Fit Show. And again, I thank you guys so much for tuning in uh, to these episodes, whether you're watching on Facebook Live, Instagram Live, whether you're listening after in your car, whatever it is, I do appreciate it. We're going to have some guests come on in the next couple of weeks. We have uh, Richard Mosdell, who's been on this this podcast before, is going to sit in. He, he's going to talk uh, a little bit about what it means to have a fixed mind. We're going to get dig a little bit deep into performance. And, and how that works. We're also going to look at some brainwave stuff. We talked about some brainwave research that I'm going to be conducting here pretty soon at the University of Victoria. I'm going to get an expert in that field in. We're going to talk to them about that. And I'm going to keep bringing you guys more content and more uh, stuff that will help you perform and it help you improve your overall quality of life, optimizing performance, whether it's in life or sport. That's what we're all about on the K-Fit Show. Again, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, you can find me at KFit Conditioning by Kaylin Angloss on Facebook. Send me all your questions. If you have any questions related to anything we've talked about, anything to do with exercise or training or, or how to optimize performance, let me know. And I can absolutely uh, provide some insight. Maybe I'll answer some of your questions. I highlight a question that you guys send to me every week on uh, on the show. So so send me the questions. You can find me at Kalen Angloss on all the social media stuff. And again, CSEP, Canadian Society for Exercise Physiologists. That conference is October 25th to 27th. I'll be presenting on October 26th, 9 a.m. in Conference Hall. And we're going for an award. So come and support and, and, and come and uh, do that. All right, guys, that about wraps this episode up of the K-Fit Show. If there's anything else you guys want me to talk about on the next coming shows, let me know. Next week is Thanksgiving. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you guys later. Enjoy your long weekend this weekend. If you're from Canada and if you're from the United States, get your shit figured out. All right, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in, and we will talk to you guys later.